welcome to the Creative South podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. Today, I'm talking with the founder of the future and blind, Chris Doe. Chris and I chat about the skills he's learned throughout his career, how coaching people online through the future turned into a passion, how being open to things is the key for your own personal growth, how developing your personal brand and focusing on your financial and emotional well-being is an asset to your employer, and much more. This is one of my favorite episodes so far this year. I learned so much in what felt like a one-on-one coaching session, and it's all right after this. I talk about Jack Prince on the podcast all the time, and today isn't any different, except that I want to talk about how much we rely on them at Creative South. Not only has Jack Prince been a longtime sponsor of Creative South and the podcast, but they help us with so many cool things every year. Whether they are making our pop-up displays and tablecloths, or printing our notebooks, Jack Prince is always there when we need them. They even printed my Creative South podcast stickers that have a coupon code on the back that gives you a great discount on all of their products. Speaking of stickers, Jack Prince will print any kind, shape, size, stock, including full color stickers with full color liner prints for you to use as product labels, promotions, bumper stickers, hang tags, business cards, and more. Right now, you can get 500 3 by 3 inch die-cut stickers starting at $149 when you visit jackprince.com. Plus, Jack Prince is giving Creative South Podcast listeners 15% off all orders over $25 when you use promo code PRINCESOUTH18 at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. At Creative South, we love Astute Graphics plugins. Astute Graphics have developed 16 popular and innovative plugins for Adobe Illustrator, leading the way in imaginative tools for vector designers that significantly save time, boost creativity, and achieve amazing results. Popular plugins include VectorScribe, Phantasm, Vector First Aid, Mirror Me, and more, all of which come with a free 14-day trial. Go ahead and give them a try. Astute Graphics currently have 25% off the full Elite Bundle, saving you over $200. Check out www.astutegraphics.com. When you search the web using Ecosia, they use the money generated from search ads to plant trees to help regenerate deforested lands around the world. As a matter of fact, Ecosia uses at least 80% of their profits to plant trees and have planted 20 million trees so far, with a goal of 1 billion trees by 2020. Visit ecosia.co slash creative south to plant your first tree today. If you like the Creative South podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every dollar helps us cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. With options starting at just $1 per month, you can help support the podcast and even wind up with some cool Creative South podcast swag. When you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else. A shout out on the podcast thanking you for your support. Creative South Podcast stickers and t-shirts. So, please help support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. All right, Chris, thanks for joining me tonight. It's my pleasure. Good to be here. I think you're the first person I've talked to who has chiaroscura lighting in their studio. It's uh it's it's a very dramatic look and very nice conversation piece. Thank you. <laughs> so so why don't we start off uh kind of in the early years? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in the valley, Silicon Valley to be okay. precise. I grew up in San Jose. Silicon valley. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And that's where I spent my formative years. And I stayed in San Jose up until high school. Okay. And then up until high school or through high oh, school? I'm sorry, through high school. Yes. Through high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when when you when you were going when you were growing up, what type of kid were you? Were you a jock? Were you into art? What 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 did what were you into? Oh, I was a superstar athlete. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was your prototypical introverted nerd. I was into Dungeons and Dragons, playing video games, reading comic books, things that are, you know, really popular with women. Well, you sound like the Asian version of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was into all that stuff too. I love skateboarding. I was never good at Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Though. Oh, I loved it. Oh my goodness. I loved it. I just, I think we just, all of us were so young and didn't know what the hell we were doing. It was just so awkward. <laughs> yep. Well, I think that's part of the uh, part of the allure of Dungeons and Dragons is being awkward the entire time. <laughs> well, you're surrounded by a bunch of other awkward people, so you're among your tribe. Exactly. So. So you said you like skateboarding as well? Mm-hmm. I was into skateboarding. I wanted to get into graffiti, but I didn't like the okay. idea of being a van- vandal and defacing public property, so I would just sketch in my notebook. But I really so, so you were a good kid, in other words. I was. I'm a pretty square person, you know. I grew up, I didn't drink any alcohol, I didn't do any drugs. I mostly stayed in school. I would cut a couple of classes here and there, but it really wasn't all that rebellious. Gotcha. And at, at what point did you kind of get interested in art stuff? Were you into it in high school and stuff? Yeah. I mean, because you said you liked you wanted to do graffiti, but you didn't want to get caught. That's right. <laughs> well, it, I, I love to draw and make and create things. I remember early on, I'm probably 11 or 12 years old, I just remember seeing this commercial about this magical device. It was called the Easy Bake Oven. And I looked at it and I was like, it was just featuring young girls using it. But I was thinking, wow, if I bought this, I could make stuff. I was thinking about if I made stuff that I could sell to somebody, then I'm this creative entrepreneur. Of course, I didn't have those words in my mind. And I told my older brother, who's four years older than me, I I just, I want the Easy Bake Oven. And he looked at me, totally ridiculed me. He called me all the names you could think of uh, because it was very kind of effeminate to want to do something like that. But all through my life, from the earliest memories, I was trying to make stuff all the time. And this turned into drawing, and that's why I was attracted to comic books. I remember getting Stan Lee's How to Draw the Marvel Way, and Mm -hmm. that just being this seminal book in my life, trying to draw like these masters. That was really what excited me. Gotcha. So when when you got into high school, were you taking all the art classes you could, or... Or were you just kind of still doodling for yourself in your art book, in your notebook? Well, I had a few electives, and whenever the electives came up, I did take creative things. Like I took Metal Shop, I took Commercial Art One, I took year, I was on yearbook staff, and and I was doing this, but I didn't really think that this is going to be my life and this was going to be my career. Mostly because if we're looking at that time, I'm going to high school in the mid to late ninety or eighties, and there, there wasn't a lot of examples in my world of successful commercial artists. Every sure. artist that I knew was broke, poor, and living on the street. <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to battle this within myself to figure out how could I live a creative life and yet not starve? And I couldn't find that formula. So I think part of me was just doing this because I was listening to my heart's desire, but I wasn't fully committed to it. Gotcha. 
What did you do when you got out of high school? Did you go to college? I did. Sadly, I didn't get into any of the universities I applied to, and that was a oh, no. yeah, yeah, that was a big disappointment to my parents. I applied to UCLA, UC San Diego, and Cal State. What is that? Cal uh, San Luis Obispo. Cal State Poly. Uh, oh, yes, okay. because somebody had told me they had a good art program, and I got rejected out of all of them because my GPA, my SAT scores were not stellar. And I didn't mm-hmm. really try to, I didn't, I didn't take it that seriously, writing the college essay and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So I went to community college. Now, luckily for me, my older brother was living in San Diego, had just graduated from UCSD. I said, come live here. I'm, I'm studying and preparing to get into grad school, and you can live here. I hear they have some good art programs. So I went to San Diego City College, and I took Commercial Art One. Okay. And I think that's kind of where I started to kind of figure things out. Gotcha. So as you're figuring things out, since if you said, we're about the same age. Um, so, you know, Macs are really just starting to come into the classroom as far as a design tool and stuff like that. And web stuff still isn't even on the forefront at that point. No. What what did you decide to focus on anything or did you just kind of do general design? The first class that I took was commercial art and then the second class sure. we were working on the old Mac 512K, uh-huh. the monochrome beige boxes, the all-in-one Mac. And I had one of those. Yeah. I didn't have one of those, but I was using them and I learned Well, that's what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> I was learning how to use Illustrator and PageMaker. Oh, and I had an amazing instructor. His name was Charles LaGreca, and he graduated from Art Center as an illustration major and was the department chair. And so he taught us how to use Illustrator, and I couldn't have asked for a better teacher. Mm-hmm. So I learned the tools really fast. And that made me that gave me a competitive advantage over everybody else sure. that didn't know how to use them. And so that sure. I got a job in desktop publishing when I was still in college, working at Zebra Copies in La Jolla. And I was doing brochures and whatever production artwork they had for me. And it allowed me to do something that was kind of in the line of what I wanted to do in my life and get paid a decent amount of money. Sure. When, when you're starting out in that kind of thing and, you know, production work is by no means sexy. It's a necessary thing, but it's by no means sexy. How were you stretching your creative legs at that time? Was it just strictly with classwork stuff? Mostly it was classwork, trying to prepare my portfolio to get into Art Center. But I never looked at doing production work as a chore. I was really excited because I had worked many jobs before where I wasn't using much of my brain. I worked at a fast food place uh, dropping fries. I was the fry boy. I worked at a grocery store as a stock boy. And I worked at a fabric store restocking fabrics. And... That wasn't utilizing any part of my brain. So I was just glad to be mm-hmm. behind a desk, an air-conditioned room, and doing whatever <laughs> it is that somebody needed me to do. So I was illustrating a lot of maps. For some reason, we were doing a lot of travel brochures and the itinerary for mm-hmm. different travel companies around there, Natural La Jolla. That makes sense. So I was just redrawing all these maps and cleaning them up. That is as mm-hmm. production work as you can get, right? But no, I did. I did years so of that. We're I on the same well boat, right? With it. Yeah. So what was really interesting was one time I remember because my boss Lori, she would leave at five o'clock, and we have she would give me a, a stack of things to do in the inbox. I would just crush through them as fast as I could. I remember one time mm-hmm. somebody came in 
after hours. I think we closed at 11 o'clock at night. So he came in around 7 or 8 p.m., a business guy, and he's like, you know, I really need help with this thing. And the guy at the front says, uh, I, you have to talk to Lori. And I overheard this because I, I had nothing to do that day. I said, I'll help you because I'm getting paid regardless, right? I'm not getting paid mm-hmm. by the job. I'm just getting paid every time I show up. So I helped him do this thing, and he was so grateful. And I remember just doing the easiest little thing that he wanted, printed it out for him, gave it to him. He made some copies, and he was thrilled. He looked to me like a lawyer business type because he's wearing a suit. And I remember he left and then came back. He bought some ice cream for me from Ben and Jerry's from next door. And he said, you know, I really appreciate you doing this. And to me, that was very rewarding in itself that I could do something mm-hmm. with my skill, the things I had just learned how to do in class, and do something to help another human being. And I think that started that idea. It's like, this, is, this feels good to be able to help somebody with my skill and my craft, even though it was pretty low-level stuff. And it felt mm-hmm. wonderful. And that was the first time I had that particular flavor at Ben and Jerry's. And every time now I go and have <laughs> Chunky Monkey, it reminds me of me in my late teens uh-huh. in that cop, uh, the copy store doing this thing for that guy. And it's just those are memories that you can take with you forever. Gotcha. When 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 you're kind of wrapping up college mm-hmm. and all that, what what do you do after that? Because you went to Art Center, right? Yeah, eventually I get to Art Center. I finish my portfolio. I apply. I get accepted. I'm thrilled. I'm on my path now. And mm-hmm. in that process, I had to do a lot of growing up, and I found something. I think for all of us that are younger or maybe even a little older, we're, we're looking for our identity, some, to find something that we think in our heart makes us special, unique, and different in the world. For some people, it's singing. Others, it's writing sure. or producing music. For me, I found my thing. I'd been searching for a long time to find that thing. And once I found it, mm-hmm. I went all in on this thing. So once I get into Art Center, I meet other really hyper-focused individual students, friends, and it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, here's my Dungeons and Dragons club a couple of years later, but we're all studying the visual arts, and this is wonderful. That really excited me. Yeah. Did, when you were at Art Center, did you focus on any particular track? or Yes. What did, what did you focus on? You have to apply into a major. So you okay. uh, you could study illustration, graphic design, whatever. I applied to graphic design, and it has very different requirements. It's not a school mm-hmm. where you can go in undeclared. You have to show a portfolio that meets the requirements of that department, and that department decides if you're good enough to get in. Sure. And I had heard all these stories so you- about how you know your first time, they're not going to accept you, and they're going to make all these notes and everything. And it was my first time applying. And I was really encouraged because not only did I get in, I also got a 50% scholarship uh, right off the bat, and that really helped me in more ways than one, not only just financially, but to give you that boost of confidence that not only were you mm-hmm. good enough to get into school, they gave you this giant scholarship right off the bat. And I wasn't sure if it was one of these well-endowed schools where uh, they have this big endowment, that they mm-hmm. were going to give that to everybody who got in. And so I would ask my classmates, hey, did you did you get a scholarship? And I couldn't find a single person who got a scholarship. What do you think it was that earned you the scholarship over everybody else? I'm pretty sure I know what it is. It's that I applied. Most of them did not apply. Most (laughs) of them had that mindset that I'm just lucky enough to get in. Yeah, I asked them all, did you apply? I was like, no, I was just like trying to get in. And it doesn't hurt your ability to get in if you apply. So the first thing Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell anybody that's listening to this, that's considering going to one of these private art schools, and you think it's out of reach, apply, apply for the scholarship, apply for grants and see what happens. You can always say no. 
good advice. I wish I had applied to more scholarships when I was uh, going to college. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have gotten them based on my grades, but <laughs> it, it would have been smarter for me to apply to stuff. So, so you go through, and what is that program like while you're there? It's wonderful. It's five or six classes every single semester focused on exactly what you want to study. Whereas before in high school, it was one class, an elective, and it wasn't exactly what I wanted. But here we're talking about every single class. So you would study communication design, topography, lettering, color theory, art history, design history, packaging one, two, three, editorial design. So every kind of design class you could want, they had. And for the most part, it was taught by somebody who was a working professional, oftentimes a leader in their own industry. So you're getting some very high-level instruction from people who have been practicing their craft for a really long time. Gotcha. When you, when you get out of Art Center, what do you end up doing? Do you go to work for somebody? Do you immediately strike out on your own? Well, I, I have had exactly two full-time jobs while at Art Center. So one of them happened while sure. I was still there, and the other happened right after I graduated school. So I worked for an ad agency in Seattle, realized that wasn't right for me, quit that job, finished school, and then went to work for a punk rock music label, and that didn't work out for me. I lasted all of two months. I quit that job, and then I started to <laughs> freelance. Uh-huh. So luckily for me, something I had done that I didn't realize would lead anywhere was some of my work, my student work, was featured on Adobe After Effects 1.0. Oh, really? And that got distributed because nobody knew about motion graphics or After Effects, so they needed some example or sample projects. There was a handful of students that got their work submitted to that, and I sent it in. I almost didn't do it, but I did it, and I got leads from it right away. Mm-hmm. Two people called me from that. One became a client for many years, and I still know that person today. The other was introducing me to this whole world of broadcast design and motion graphics, and mm-hmm. and that's how I got my leads there. Gotcha. I was about to say, because normally when people are first coming out and doing freelance, that's the hardest part for them is finding those leads and finding the business. It's And, and especially if you're the nerdy, introverted kid, you know, going out and networking and meeting people who can give you business is tough. That's a, that's a scary thing. It is a scary thing. So. And let me tell you how I made it worse. Because, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, because I was finishing school and I was thinking that that time I was going to work at the ad agency because I was going to school for a few days and then they would fly me to Seattle and then I'd work a few days and I would fly back. It was crazy. Oh. I was jet setting. I was like, wow, I'm a 20 something year old kid. I'm working at an ad agency. I'm good, making good money. I've got an important job. Life is good. Mm-hmm. So the school sets up interviews for you. I didn't sign up for a single one because I knew I was going to go work for the agency until sure. I decided I didn't want to work for the agency. But, <laughs> you know, that fortune would have it that I knew enough people that I can find work. And, and also mm-hmm. this, this little thing that got on Adobe CD, which I didn't think at that time would lead to anything, it got people to sure. call me. So this is inbound marketing, right? Yeah. This is pulling people in instead of pushing your work out there because Adobe did the heavy lifting for me. That, that worked out well for you. It did. <laughs> so you're, you're freelancing. How long are you by yourself doing that before you start bringing in outside help and start having to, whether it's you had to contract out or started hiring people? 
Okay, so I'm freelancing a couple of places and things are going well. And I get a call from my uncle and he asked me, "Do you want to start a business?" And that's really when I said, "Yeah, let's let's go do this thing." And what everybody's afraid of is, do they have enough financial runway and and backing to be able to start a business? Well, he gave me that courage, and so I I I, I basically told those companies I was freelancing for, "I can't work anymore. I'm starting my own company." So then I left, and then what happened was it was really cool. They started to give me work. They would call me and say, "Hey, we need help with logo or logo design or typography, typesetting, whatever." And that's when I realized, man, I'm getting work, and I don't want to work by myself. So I called up my old roommate and asked him, "Hey, you're not doing anything. Come and work with me. I'll pay you X dollars an hour. You do the work, and we'll go have a good time." So almost immediately after starting off on my own, as the work was coming in, I guess I had the wherewithal to say, "If I charge this amount." And it's more than what it costs me to do. Then I can hire somebody else to help me, and the two of us would work on it together and be a party. He was my former roommate. I liked him. I still like him today. So we got to work together, and soon it kind of outgrew what we could do together. So I brought in more、mm-hmm. people with more skill, and then that's how we started to grow the company. Gotcha. While you're doing this, how are you learning the soft skills of things? Because that's you know not necessarily something that comes naturally for everybody. Yeah. You know, if you asked me when I was in my twenties and when I started a company, how are you learning the soft skills? I'd look at you and like, what are you talking about, Jason? What are soft skills? <laughs> how am I learning them? I don't learn them at all. I don't know anything about bidding. I don't know anything about negotiations, customer service, sales, marketing. I don't know what compelling events are. I don't. I know none of this, and I'm just fumbling and bumbling my way through it. And I think raw talents and stupidity got me through it. And I'll, I'll explain both. Now, sure. I, I I think I'm not overstating this, but I did graduate. I think at the top of my class, and I was a very driven person. I had a really thorough portfolio, a deep portfolio, and I'm just contextually comparing it to my my graduating classmates. And the stupidity part was, I didn't know that this was not something you're supposed to do. I didn't know you're not supposed to start a company with no sales, no real work, no leads, no sales pipeline, nothing. And so I was just thinking, just you can call it bravado, cockiness, whatever arrogance. I just was thinking it can't be that hard. Let's just do it. And if it doesn't work out, <laughs> there's a couple of job opportunities. I can always take that job in advertising. I can go and work for the music label again, or I can work for one of these companies because at that time it seemed like everywhere I went, people offered me a full time job. Sure. So I wasn't really concerned. So I had a a nice backup plan, but I never even thought I could fail. And you go through these things because when you start to lose a bid and another bid, you start to think, "What am I not getting? What don't I know about this bidding process that these people know?" So I brought in a freelance producer. I found out about producers. I didn't even know what a producer was back then, and they would do the bid. And I looked at them like, "Wow, that's how you do a bid, huh?" And I'm not a stupid guy. I could look at the bid form and reverse engineer it. And I started、mm-hmm. to understand how you mark things up, how you include profit margins, and how you're able to plan for the project with a calendar and a bid. That's how I learned. I learned it on the job. Gotcha. When when you're learning this stuff, did you have mentors at this point, or or were you just trial and erroring the whole way through? Trial and error. Again, if you ask me, do you have a mentor? Who's your mentor at that time? I would like, what's a mentor? What do you mean? You mean there are people out there that would help me and share、mm-hmm. their business secrets with me? I would laugh and say, who would do that? They would want to keep that as a secret. Even some of the producers that I hired, 
on a part-time basis, they didn't want to give me the spreadsheet, the formula. They wanted me to build it myself because they thought if they gave me the spreadsheet, then I would never call them again. And that could mm-hmm. be farthest from the truth. So it just so happened that one woman came in, very generous person, and she came in and she built a bid and she's like, here's the bid for you. She was a really confident woman thinking, you know, if you need this, because I can figure out how to produce this for you. And and that was great. That just showed me the heart and the spirit of some people versus others. Gotcha. While while you're growing the business and all and, and, and learning these different things and, 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 you know, I asked about mentors just a second ago, does this kernel of kind of what you do now ever pop into your head early on? You mean like the whole hosting stuff on YouTube? Well, not post, not necessarily. Po- I mean, you post what stuff you on mean? YouTube, but essentially what you're doing is live business coaching almost. Mm-hmm. And so you're acting as a mentor to these different people. So when you're building things, I, I guess what I'm asking is, as you're building things and you're kind of struggling and figuring the trial and error stuff, does it ever pop into your head of, you know, whenever I get this stuff figured out, I'm not going to do this to somebody else. I'm going to show them exactly how it's done. I don't think it, it it took shape in my brain that early on. I do enjoy teaching and sharing because even when I was a student, I would excel a little bit faster than my classmates. And they would ask me, hey, can you show me how to do that? And I would just show them. I'm like, yeah, here's some tricks. And here's how you move stuff around in Illustrator or, or PageMaker or Cork Express, whatever program we're using. Here, I, I never looked at it like, this is a secret and I don't want to show you anything. Oh, here's some typefaces here. Take them. Download them. Take it. And I would share. And I think that spirit of sharing actually helped me to build a pretty strong network of people that ultimately helped me later on. I didn't realize what sure. networking was at that point. I don't understand full concepts of karmic equity or anything like that. <laughs> I'm just doing things because it feels good to help people. Mm-hmm. And so later on, as I'm doing my my thing and I learn more about business and I'm talking to my producers and my salespeople and I'm trying to coach them on how to do things, I start to realize there's a lot of people out there who don't know any of this because these are industry people who are working for me who are professional Mm-hmm. who don't know these things. I mean, at this point in time, I've been coached. And I started getting a business coach about four or five years after starting the company. Okay. I, we started to hit a glass ceiling. At that point in time, we were doing about $2.2, $2.4 million in buildings annually. And I just mm-hmm. could not break it. I was just thinking, man, anytime a job gets above $200,000 in terms of budget, we just can't mm-hmm. win it. So I remember telling my wife, we have some money. We had a good year. I'm going to hire some new people. And she said, go for it. So I was looking for a business coach. We hired a CPA. We started to look into hiring a financial planner. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, this is the time of feast. We have money. Let's spend it and let's see what can happen. So I'm a big believer in taking proactive steps while times are good and there's some fat on the bone for you to, mm-hmm. to push your own personal growth and see what you can do. Because when it, it's time of famine, when you have a little money and you're just worrying about how you're going to pay rent for the next month and if you can keep the lights on, chances are you're not going to be thinking, let me take out some more credit card debt so I can hire a business coach and hope it works out. Sure. So now I've been working 
with a business coach, and I've been working with one person consistently for over ten years, and I'm oh, learning wow, all these guy, lessons. Huh? Yeah, so from I think the late '90s to you know ten years later to mm-hmm. 2010-ish, I'm working with a business coach, and I'm learning everything. And every time I think I think I learn what I needed to learn, new things will pop up, and then I was like, okay, I have to start over again. It's kind of like a video game, right? You you advance to the big boss. You pass the big boss. You think, okay, now I'm super powered. And actually, there's just a bigger boss on the next wave. And it just gets harder (laughs) and harder and harder. Sure. So at at what point, since we're on the subject now, does that pop into your mind of I'm going to start doing videos and I'm going to start helping other people and – passing on my knowledge because that that seems at least from what i've seen it seems to be a big passion of yours of sharing that knowledge yes now keep in mind that i've been teaching as a adjunct assistant instructor at art center for close to 15 years and i love teaching yeah i've been basically five years out of school i started teaching because I remember I, I put an artificial time limit. Like, I'm not going to start mm-hmm. teaching until I've got enough under my belt of experiencing that I can contribute to that education process. So I put a time limit. It's like five years, go and find a, find a teaching opportunity. And I did. And I, I, I taught mm-hmm. at Otis as well. So I'm teaching at Art Center at Otis. And I love that interaction. I love seeing that little spark in somebody's brain when they flip that switch and they get an idea that they hadn't understood before and pushing people and just pushing them beyond what they think they can do and surprising both of us. And that was great, except for the problem was none of that was scalable. And I'm teaching the same lessons over and over and over again. So mm-hmm. it seems a little insane to me. And it's yeah. right around that time, I remember very clearly, I was sitting in one of my classes at Otis, and somebody's like, hey, have you seen YouTube? I'm like, what's YouTube? <laughs> Like you, like the letter U and then tube, they're like, no, Y-O-U-Tube. And back then, I remember the most viewed video was the history of dance, where somebody oh, went God. through. You remember that? I do. Yeah, and he did that video, and I was like, okay, low quality, VHS quality video, mm-hmm. really crappy. Uh, how is this going to replace TV or cinema? What do I know about anything? Don't ask me for tech advice, right? (laughs) And so it's not something I'm thinking about. So fast forward to about 2013, Mm 14-ish, I bump into my good friend Jose Caballer, and he's like, we should record videos on YouTube. Now, here's the thing. At this point in time now, I've produced commercials for some of the biggest brands from Nike to Microsoft to Sony, and we have the know-how. We've produced music videos for the biggest bands as well, and we have all this equipment, and the, the age of the DSLR camera and becoming affordable and getting this kind of cinematic quality imagery that's just kind mm-hmm. of unprecedented allowed us to start to make videos. I said, well, I know how to produce videos, but I prefer to be behind the camera. This is really uncomfortable for me to be in front of the camera because that's, mm-hmm. that's my spot. I interview people. I'm not the subject. And slowly but surely, I get a little bit more acclimated to talking on camera and such so that it becomes my sole obsession and, and passion that this is all I think about now. I think about what to write, what to say, where to shoot, how to shoot, what kind of content is going to be relevant to people, what are their pain points, what do they need to know, and then I either write it or I have other pe- people on my team to help me research and figure it out. This has now become mm-hmm. my obsession. 
How do you do that without and so there's a lot of people out there that do that, and there's a lot of people out there that are real douchey, and I don't know how, any other way to put That's that. That's fine. And, and and you're not. Like, you don't come across that way. How do you do that without seeming self-absorbed and douchey? Well, let me, let me just say this. First of all, I appreciate you for saying that, and I just want to let you know there's a lot of people who do think that of me. There are. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of haters, and I, I, I love them too. Now, I do want to say this, though. How do you define for you, Jason, douchey? Like, who comes across they, that way? They make it about the people out there who make it about themselves, who their sole purpose of teaching is to tell you how great they are. Self-aggrandizing, and so, very self-aggrandizing. Okay. And let me tell you how I made three million dollars. How I did this. How I did that. Okay. And there's a lot of All right. out there. I'm thinking and somebody now. Yeah. Okay. So let me. Uh, are we talking about a guy named Ty Lopez? Maybe. Who? He was one of the people that I. It was in my. Okay. Nine. There's another guy. Okay. I'm, Perfect. So let's let's break that down a little bit. I don't know Ty. I have no ill will towards him, but for a little while he sure. was buying up all this media on YouTube because you could not escape mm-hmm. his ads. They followed you everywhere. And he'd start off with his accent, hey, I'm here in front of my garage and my books and my cars and my Lamborghini Ferrari. So he was showing off and showing off his yeah. house and all these kinds of things. But I think there is some genius behind that marketing that he needed to prove himself, to validate mm-hmm. himself, and to have proof that I'm successful. And so there are all these young guys mm-hmm. out there thinking, How's this guy who speaks with a southern draw who used to live in a trailer or sleep on a couch and, and didn't have two cents to his name, how did he get to this place in Beverly Hills? What happened to this guy? And so that's a quick shortcut, and that's a formula that's been used for a really long time. So I'm not hating sure. on the person. The formula is there. It does exist, and it works. Now, you and I, like you said, we're similar age. So we remember guys on, on TV who would tell you how to get rich quick. Uh, I remember a guy named Tuan Vu, real estate. He would mm-hmm. film himself on a boat with a bunch of hot women behind him. And so they're selling you that dream. I know exactly who you're talking yes. about. That's why I'm laughing. Right. <laughs> and so that's what they do, and it's effective. Now, that turns me off personally. Mm-hmm. But it obviously it works because he can't run that ad campaign for very long if he can't generate revenue from it, Right. Sure, and it's it's become this thing where Ty becomes this meme or meme, and all of a sudden he's being studied in business school now. I don't know if you know that, so that's kind of no, like, I didn't know. Yeah, that. so everybody, there's a method to everybody's madness, and you got to use what mm-hmm. you have, and that's what he has. Now, I try not to sit there and talk about what we've done, how fabulous life is, unless it is to tell you a point, because I don't think. I feel like I need to prove myself to anybody. Sure, and that that's exactly what I was asking mm-hmm. is when you when you talk about yourself it's it's to prove a point. It's you know, we did this and this. This is how it worked for us. And one of the things I like about you is I've seen a lot of the videos where you say this is what worked for us. This may not be what works for you, but this is what worked for us. So you're not doing that I guarantee right. this is going to work. And I say that mocking the Southern accent and I live in the South, but <laughs> right. But, um, yeah. So yours seems you come across more sincere than other people. And I think that's what turns a lot of people off is when you don't come across as sincere. 
I do want to speak a little bit to that in that the way that I'm coming across, of course, is in alignment with my worldview. Now, I grew up Catholic, but a couple of generations back, I'm sure my family was Buddhist. And now I'm not sure what I believe in anymore. But I also believe that you have a right to believe what you want to believe too, that they're not incongruous, right? Like I have no more handle on the truth, on divinity or life or anything else than any other human being, whether you're college educated or not. If you if you have a third grade education, it doesn't matter to me. We're all allowed to sure. pursue what we believe is to be true. And there's space sure. in the world, right? Whether you believe in same-sex marriage or not, it doesn't matter to me. As long as you don't hurt anybody, I'm good with that too. So mm-hmm. it is now then my worldview is like, I have something that has worked for me. But you're an individual with different needs, different skill sets, and entirely different circumstances, so socioeconomic mm-hmm. background. I don't know if it'll work for you. So all I can do is tell you my truth and then let you mm-hmm. decide if that will work for you or not. Gotcha. That makes sense. Right? So then I'm not going to sit here and say, well, this is the only way and, and, and you're stupid for doing it any other way. That seems that's incongruous with how I think of the world. And if you think about it, look at this. Every time a scientific discovery happens, whether it's about cancer or bacteria or something, our whole view of the world changes after that point. Mm -hmm. And so it is a little bit foolish to believe that this is the way and the only way. It makes you closed off to new ways. So there Mm -hmm. are still, say, climate deniers or people who don't believe in evolution. There's just all these kinds of things like, well... There's a science, but okay, if you want to believe what you believe, it doesn't hurt me, really. That's fine, too. Right? No, we could get into a whole political discussion about that one. but <laughs> Right? But I, I just want to leave it yeah, open. No, I agree. So yeah. if new information yeah. comes, I want to be open to hearing what that is, to giving it a shot before I just close it off. And I think that's key sure. to your own personal growth. And again, that's how I've been able to grow. If, if some other system works for you, use that system. Well, I'm curious as, you know, how you've been able to grow, how do you see what you're doing helping other people grow? What what examples have you seen of personal growth, whether it be someone who works for you or someone who's, you know, you know, subscribed to your YouTube channel or taken one of your classes or done even one-on-one mentoring? How how do you see those things helping? Okay. So, I'll break it down in two parts. Part 1 is are the people who actually come here and work for me and, and are within physical proximity of where I'm at. If we look at my three creative directors, two of them were former students of mine. One of them was a former okay. intern, and now he's gone through the entire ranks of becoming creative director. He pretty mm-hmm. much has free reign to do whatever he wants, complete autonomy. And I'd like to think that I've coached him to a place, a little bit of design, but mostly about how to talk to clients what the game of business is, and I invest in those people. I bring in coaches to teach them. If I read a book, we'll sit down and we'll talk about what the key concepts were, and I'll listen to their calls, and I'll continue to coach them. And they've done remarkably well. Each one of those guys could go out and start their own company. It's my mm-hmm. duty to make this place more attractive than going out and starting their own company. So that's the balance okay. I try to work out. And then there's Ben Burns, who was at one point on the other side of this screen who reached out to me, a total stranger from the East Coast. We we develop a relationship, a friendship, and then it just grew. And now he's one of my strategic directors running all the new business mm-hmm. stuff for me. And he's, I think, he, he has a better life 
than he's ever had in terms of the kinds of projects he gets to work on, the kind of growth that he's had in terms of the money he's made, and mm-hmm. the role he's the the kind of impact he's had on our company. So those are the very real people I can talk about. Now I'll talk about people that are on the other side of the screen who never come, uh, you know, within the same city as me. Sure. Now there are people that I coach, and they're part of my community. Some of them just reach out and say, you know. You gave me the confidence to ask for this, and now I'm making double what I used to make. And I hear those stories over and over, and they're coming from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And and it's a wonderful feeling to know that, boy, something I did or said hit that person at the right point in time, and they were able to go out and be able to better provide for their family or loved ones. That's a wonderful feeling. There's a guy who just posted recently within my pro group, and he said, I just sold three $5,000 strategy sessions. I'm feeling mm-hmm. awesome. And prior to that, he wasn't even charging for strategy, if I remember correctly. Really? Yeah. So somehow, whatever I said to him, and I've, I've asked him this question before, I said, you know, you went from a pretty good place to an amazing place. What was it? What did I say? Help me understand what it was that helped you. And- his answer surprised me a little bit. He said, for some reason, when you said that I can do this, that this is how it works, that's really all I needed to hear. And so this goes into this whole thing where we all have the answers, the tools that we need to succeed. So a coach mm-hmm. like myself, I'm not trying to give you new tools that you don't have. I'm just trying, trying to, to make you realize. That's right. Trying to make you realize you already have those tools. It's already inside of you. Hmm. I just have to clear off the dust and the cobweb so you can see it and hold a mirror up to it. Now, I also understand that sometimes we need somebody that we can trust to say that we're good enough. Sure. And that's all it takes. Okay. I see that. Because, I mean, for me, like I never got super serious about making my own career i was always i i work in-house at a place now um just recently got back into freelancing and in moonlighting and trying to balance that my wife's a designer as well so we're trying to make all of that work but i didn't get serious about doing that until this really this past year so it's you know me awakening all that stuff and you know it, it it took a friend of mine saying, well, why aren't you doing this for me to, for the light bulb to go off and me finally go, yeah, why am I not doing that? So that, that, that's helpful. Was it that one friend asking that question that triggered this whole path that you're on today? No, it, I mean, it, the path had already started. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just fuel to it, the fire? It just added yeah. fuel to the fire and it helped me buckle down more. Yeah. It, it helped me Good. take it more seriously versus... Well, I'll do a freelance project here and there. You know, it's nice to have a little extra money in, but I'm not going to, you know, really try to pursue anything with it. Yeah. Versus where I am now where I'm trying to pursue something with it. Mm -hmm. And whether that turns into something that enables me to step out of what my current in-house role is, which if you're listening, I like my job. Don't fire me. (laughs) I do like my job. It's a good company. Mm -hmm. But... I also know that for me to be satisfied more spiritually and creatively within my job, I need to be doing more for myself. Right. 
Well, I, I want to talk about two things. Sure. Two things that are very important, I think, to each person, at least to me. One is my emotional well-being, and two is my financial well-being. I want to mm-hmm. talk about my financial well-being first. Sure. Is that your livelihood, your relationship with your wife, do you have any kids? Yep, twin uh, nine-year-olds. Okay, so you have two nine-year-olds, and you have to provide for them, and you have to be a good husband, and you have to be a good father. Mm-hmm. And as it stands in kind of in the society that we live in, you need to make a certain amount of money just to survive. Mm-hmm. Right? I wish it were different, but that's just the way it is. Now, yep. you're putting a lot of your financial well-being in the hands of somebody else, and that's a dangerous thing to do. Because yes. at w- whatever happens, let's just say they get tired of you one day, or they fall in hard times because they mismanaged the company, or sure. one of the partners it was embezzling money the entire time, and then one day they wake up and they can't pay you anymore. Now you're SOL. And now you have to begin this journey of figuring out who you are as a person and how you're going to get the next opportunity to take care of your family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I, I like to tell this little part of the story, which is most likely you have car insurance because you have to have car insurance. It's required by law in case something happens, yep. right? Yep. Hopefully, you also have health insurance and you're covered. And why is that? Because if something were to happen that were catastrophic, you would not want it to end you financially forever, mm-hmm. right? If if you hit something, like you weren't paying attention, you hit something and there was a massive lawsuit, you got to get covered for that. And if you sure. all of a sudden find that there's something wrong internally, you need the treatment, you need the best treatment that you can get. So we have insurance sure. for these kinds of things. It does confuse me a little bit why we don't have job insurance. And that's a strange concept. This is not something that you buy from farmers or Prudential or whatever, wherever you buy insurance from. What I'm talking about is this, is that if something bad were to happen to you at work, you would have no options. To me, developing your personal brand and side hustle skills that aren't required of you at work currently, but you need to be developing these these things, learning new things, all these things are a good insurance policy against the inevitability of you parting ways with your current employer. Mm. And I say it's inevitable because nothing lasts forever. There are very few jobs in America that you can have these days that no matter what happens to the company, you would have it forever. There are a few sacred cows, if you will, and they will let people go because they also have an obligation to take care of their own family and loved ones. That's fair. Mm -hmm. So the only way that you can insure against your job loss or your financial future is to be making a deposit into who you are and growing yourself. Now, the good news is this. This is not in conflict with the company's goals because a smarter, more informed, higher skilled Jason is good for the company because it's not like you wall off those skills the next time you work on a project. So if you learn a new tool, like say you learn how to do some hand-drawn lettering that you didn't know how to do before. The next time that mm-hmm. job comes in, you're like, oh, prior to this, I only offered them these kinds of solutions, but boss or team or client, I can now do this and it's more appropriate for the client. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They spent no money on you to do that. So this is excellent. So this, in case they're listening, this is a good thing. I encourage everybody <laughs> to run a side business as long as it doesn't adversely impact what you're being paid to do at work. So if you show up late, if you leave early, if you're missing dates or deadlines, or if you're tired at work or you're burnt out, obviously that's not a good thing. Sure. But you need to be working on this. So I hope that everybody that's hearing this right now 
is going to start working on their personal brand and to be looking for other opportunities to grow. And you can define growth in any number of ways. Gotcha. So how does that tie into, you know, a lot of that is the financial well-being. Yes. You mentioned emotional well-being. Oh, you were paying How does attention, that I see. further tie in? <laughs> okay, let's talk about your emotional well-being. Sure. Now, so many of us uh, allow other people to control our state of being. What do I mean by sure. that? I'm guilty of right? that. Right? I know what okay, you Okay, you know where this is going in that we are other validated. So if the client says, great job, Jason, or they're your boss or your supervisor says, oh, that was really cool, then you're on cloud nine. And then conversely, if they say, oh, that was terrible, your work is underwhelming, you're not giving it your great effort, we're just, we're, this is not plussed. And then you yeah. go into that deep, dark place where, I, oh, I'm just, I think this is it. This is it for me. I don't have it within me. And this is what I remind people. I think we, we need to do is be clear as to who we are, where we're strong, where we're weak, and have a really honest assessment at that. So mm-hmm. that we know internally this was crappy work before somebody told us. Or this was excellent work despite what somebody says. And this is a hard skill to develop. We need to be self-validated versus other validated. Mm-hmm. And this is a skill that everybody needs to learn. This is something that luckily for me I figured out earlier on in my life. So when I go to class, I present work. It's up on the board. And the teacher is saying, great work, wow, excellent, all those kinds of things, amazing. And my classmates are going, wow, awesome. And they ask me later, how did you feel? I said, I feel fine. They're like, what do you mean you feel fine? Well, I said, I walked in here knowing that I did my very best and I actually did solve some problem that I even surprised myself. So it didn't matter if you're going to say it was horrible or not. I knew before mm-hmm. walking into the classroom, I wasn't going to let the opinions of others deter me from that. That's not to say I'm not open to input and criticism, but in sure. terms of governing... Well, and I think that's also not to say that you don't enjoy you know, someone praising your work. Yeah, you know, that's Everybody right. enjoys that. Yeah. But where, let's say on a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 is ultimate euphoric bliss, and 1 sure. is like you're going to slit your throat and, and just jump off a bridge, <laughs> right? I yeah. hover around an 8, 8.5 all the time. Now, if somebody praises my work, I might go to a nine. Or if somebody dogs my work, I might go to an 8.25 or something. It's not going to be these wild swings of 13 and and negative four, which is, it seems like where people seem to register in terms of the emotional scale. I try and hover at a high state, right? You're not alone, obviously. A lot of people feel that way. So when a client comes to me and says, yeah, you know, this wasn't what I was expecting, and they start to get really nasty with me, I say, I'm sorry, you feel that way. We're not a good fit for each other. In fact, I don't know how to do what you want me to do because I don't think you know what you want to do. And that's totally Mm -hmm. fair. You deserve somebody who wants that and is willing to go down that path with you. I'm not. I'm not your guy. So I'm going to refund this part of the portion of the project that we didn't do. And I wish you the very best. I don't go walking away feeling like I'm a terrible human being or a terrible designer. I don't internalize that. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I knew we did the good work. I did listen and I did do sure. what you wanted, but you changed it. You changed the game from football sure. to soccer and you know what? They're not the same game. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have said that. Change the game from football to, to tennis. There, that's a bigger change, <laughs> right? Because in some countries, yeah. football is soccer. Yes. Yeah. Most countries. Yes. 
<laughs> Everyone but this one. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like the metric system. Yes. Just with sports. <laughs> right. So, you know, going forward and, 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 and building on that, how, what, I'm trying to figure out the way to phrase this. What do you get from teaching other people? You said it makes you feel well, but without like immediate feedback and all, what, what does that do for you and how does that help your emotional well-being? Mm. Well, I've, I've been very fortunate to be in this place where financially I don't need to work anymore. I could live the rest of my life very comfortably doing what it is that I do. and not, I mean doing nothing actually to just sit at home and read books, which I'd love to do. But then that fire inside of me would be extinguished. And I needed to find something, a, a mission to make an impact, to to try to leave the world better off than I found it. And, I, mm-hmm. and in creating the videos and the products that we do and the short little bits of information that we disseminate, I feel like I'm contributing to that. Like everybody says, what do you, what do you want from life? And, and a lot of people will say, I want to make a difference. I want to have an impact that my life meant something that I was, I didn't waste the opportunity that was given to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel that, and I feel that doing what we do now and seeing the kind of traction it has with people all over the world, it's reassuring that, yeah, I think we are doing something good mm-hmm. and they're reciprocating. They're, they're either volunteering to help or they might buy a product that we're, we've produced to help support us. And there's a whole bunch, several hundred people who just donate money to us for no other reason to keep the content coming. Mm-hmm. And it's like this NPR model, right? Where we're doing a public service and the, then the public wants to see this and they will support us because we're doing something good. Gotcha. You know what's shocking to me, Jason? I will tell you this. Is that yes. for the most part, we're an education channel. We don't do very much right. So. We don't do fail compilations. We don't um, trot out a bunch of scantily clad girls or mislead you with certain things. We're not pranking people. There's no magic acts. There's nothing. It's just information, mostly around business mindset and some creative creative stuff, creativity. And it shocks me when a video takes off and and goes viral somewhere. I scratch. Mm-hmm. I sit there and scratch my head. Like I'm just sharing information. This wasn't like a guy like walking across a tightrope across two buildings, right? This is not one of those yeah. acts of incredible human fortitude or determination. I'm just sharing information. And I'm still shocked to this day. Like we had a video that we posted two days ago and it has almost half a million views. And we just talk. Oh, yeah. And we just talk about how to stop a pushy boss from taking advantage of you. Oh, I need to watch that one. Right? Because it was just about them wanting you to work extra hours but not willing to pay you an extra dime. That doesn't seem fair to me. That doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sit well with me. So we did a little role play. Erica, my editor, put it together with Matthew and they put that short segment out from a longer stream and it's just going bananas right now. It's got over almost 4,000 shares, which is a ridiculous amount of shares. Holy cow. Yeah. And so it does shock me. I think like, gosh... If I were better looking, if there were a hotter girl next to me, what would happen? <laughs> Shoot. I'm just like a bald Asian guy trying to teach stuff to people, right? <laughs> well, first, your wife's going to get pissed at you for sitting next to the hot girl and wondering what the hell you're doing. <laughs> you know what? My wife's amazing. She is so amazing because she's like, honey, it'd be great if you can get something like Gal Gadot on your show. I'm like, yeah, duh. Yeah, that would be amazing if I got Wonder Woman sitting next to me, right? 
That would be fantastic. So she's all for <laughs> yeah, it. No kidding. <laughs> right. So I'm, hey, if you're, I if have you're, a feeling you'd probably just be sitting there going, um, so. Uh, Wonder Woman. <laughs> so tell me about, you know, uh, your bracelets. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that work? Does the, the, right. Does the lasso of truth really work? Right, right, right. <laughs> Throw the lasso on me, will you? Yeah. Cool. Well, <laughs> how do I recover from that? <laughs> you just roll with it, man. Um. So I'm I'm curious because you've you've done all this stuff and I, I see things growing fairly quickly. Well, I, I can't say quickly. They're right. they're taking off quickly yep. in the public view right. from what you've put in a lot of work to get to that point. But where do you see things going in the future for the future? Yeah, no pun intended. I I think you're absolutely right. It did take four years for us to get here, and something weird is happening right now where I think we are just barely about to go past the tipping point where we're breaking through on some some level where enough designers and creatives know about us to help us share the message. And I'm, I'm sick and twisted, mm-hmm. right? We produced a video on how to price logos for more money, how to price creativity. Sure. I actually ran yeah. an ad campaign on YouTube to pay people to teach them how to make more money. And there were no products. There were no sales things. I wasn't, there was no sponsor. It was just me. That's how crazy I am. I want people to Mm -hmm. get this information that I would be willing to pay for you to learn it. That's twisted, right? There's no Ty Lopez Mm -hmm. sales pitch at the end. And this is what we do. So (laughs) we're in this weird place now. And it is, and when I say weird, let me put some words around this, where me speaking to the camera has impacted enough people where sometimes I'm walking at a random event or something and somebody will spot me and they'll run up to me and say, hey, are you that guy? I'm like, I think so. If we're talking about the same bald Asian guy, yeah, I'm that guy. And they're like, wow, I learned so much from your video. It's helped me out so much. So I think we're just at the beginning of the next arc of where we're going to go. And I'm super excited about that. And I really mm-hmm. think we still need to refine how it is that we teach across time and space Mm-hmm. so that we become the most effective teachers, period. I'm, I'm really interested in reinventing education. And I'm willing to use all the resources at my disposal. And this means money, people, equipment, time, energy, all that kind of stuff. Because I think the way we've been learning is grossly outdated. I would agree with that. So if we can make a difference here in the design uh, education space, then the model can be created and it can be replicated across just about anything. And so we need to Hmm. build the school, a physical classroom and experiment with people to kind of see what works, to find that perfect hybrid between what you learn offline and what you learn online. And to see if I can't replicate what I'm doing with other people so we scale that effort as well. And I would love, Mm -hmm. I would love for one day, not out of vanity, I don't think, or, or stardom, but to be able to pierce into the the mainstream so that we're on mm-hmm. a channel like Bravo or Discovery or one of those things because we have dumb shows. And, let's let's go for Discovery because right? I don't know if I want you next to the Real Housewives. Sure. <laughs> but we have programs on people getting tattoos, working on motorcycles, uh, about cooking things. There, As far as I know, no mainstream program that shows the power that design can have on a business or a community. Mm -hmm. And 
And think about organizations like the AIGA advocacy groups, right, where they're supposed to be champions for design. I'm also a little tired of waiting for them to be that champion. Maybe we can do that together. Maybe we can help a whole generation. And I'm not putting generation in terms of an age group, but just people are willing to do things differently to start to say, I won't undersell my services. I won't allow this kind of abuse to happen within my company or to my employees or to myself. Design can be a force for good if it's used correctly, if we educate Mm -hmm. our people, our community. And perhaps then, all of a sudden, we are then the best advocates for design as a profession because we're helping to raise the awareness and also to give our designers, our community, the skills that they need to live a sustainable life and to be paid what they're worth. I don't think I could have wrapped that up any better. That Then I'll just shut up after this. I, I, I think the only thing I can add to that is how can I help? <laughs> You're helping right now. <laughs> and and I appreciate you giving a platform to what we're trying to do. Oh, and, well, you're welcome. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. So real quickly, for those people who don't know, where can we find you online? You can find me probably the, the easiest place is to go to youtube.com slash the future is here. And if you search mm-hmm. the future just about anywhere in Google, we're going to pop up all over the place from Twitter, Instagram to Facebook. And the future is spelled F-U-T-U-R. There's no E at the end. So it's like Futur. And if you love typefaces, you know Futura. <laughs> somebody already took the future. Just drop the A. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you used Futura for the typeface. So. That's right. There's not. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> I, did, I didn't figure it was. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, chat with me. And uh, go out and hug some necks. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks so much, Jason. You can find out more about Chris on Twitter at the Christo, and be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with him. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Creative So Pod, and follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA over at CreativeSouth.com, and I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. Jack Prince is giving Creative South podcast listeners fifteen percent off all orders over twenty five dollars when you use promo code Prince South eighteen at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. Astute Graphics currently have 25% off the full Elite Bundle, saving you over $200. Check out www.astutegraphics.com. For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code CREATIVESOUTH. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. And... Remember, if you like the show, help support us over at patreon.com slash creative south. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks.